Hello, folks, and welcome back to Chris White Africa here on the Indaba Broadcasting Network. Today is Thursday, June 24th, 2021. It's Night Owls, but this Night Owls will carry the news edition with it because we had a guest speaker earlier on from Stepping Stones International, Lisa Jamu. But before we get started, we'd like to send our heartfelt condolences and best wishes to long to Cameron Heslop, a, a devoted, loyal viewer of this channel who appears to have lost another family member. Uh, we send our, our best wishes and thoughts and prayers out to Cameron and his family as they deal with this difficult time, the loss of a second family member in the span of about a week. God bless and hang in there, Cameron. Uh, people are thinking of you. Folks, it's time now for Indaba Africa News of the Day. Today, the 24th of June, 2021. And breaking news out of South Africa where supporters of Ace Magashule turned up to show their support for him outside the high court in Johannesburg today, violating lockdown regulations, showing their disdain for Cyril Ramaphosa and the National Coronavirus Command Council. None of them arrested, none of them harassed, nothing happening to them because, of course, they are the chosen supporters of people in the African National Congress. So there's no penalty for them for breaking the rules. Uh, the, of course, we all know lockdown restriction levels prohibit crowds of more than 100 from gathering outdoors. Clearly, far in excess of 100 people gathered for the support of Ace Magashuli. The irony is that Ace wasn't there. He did have a court hearing today, and the court did hear his arguments, and they shot down all three requests, and it was denied. The request to set aside his suspension by the African National Congress was denied by the court. And the reason he wasn't there is because they did it virtually. The judges weren't there. Ace and his legal team weren't there. The only people there were these idiots on the street out protesting and supporting Ace Magashule. But one can't help but wonder the 100 plus few hundred people who showed up in support of Ace Magashule. Is this the dying gasp of a politician on his way out? Or just another sign of the fractious nature inside the African National Congress. Now that's breaking news, not part of the planned news conference. We do have a video uploaded on that if you want to get more details about what actually happened today. But let's get to news headlines we're prepared for for this newscast Thursday, June 24th, 2021. Well, three months later, and what did I tell you? On March, what did I tell you? I told you the Southern African development community would not take any action in less than 90 days. There's no way they'd do it in 60 days and certainly not within 90 days. We've now reached 90 days since the violent, brutal assaults, dismemberments, and murder uh, and torture of innocent civilians and expatriates in Cabo de Gata province in Palma. When the FATM, the armed forces of Mozambique, were useless, the only force that did any intervention to help anybody escape this horrific situation was, of course, the Dyke Advisory Group, who was later criticized with a false, racist accusation that they only evacuated whites, which was a pure lie, absolute lie. Actually, white expatriates, the ones who led people to safety on the beach, we know that to be factual. But as I told you, the Southern African Development Community would do nothing for at least 90 days. We've now reached 90 days with the 24th of June since the March 24th events. Three months later, SADAC has agreed to deploy a force to Cabo Delgado province to quell the insurrection. Not peacekeeping, to quell the insurrection. Mozambican President Felipe Nyusi apparently did not object. Whether his arm was twisted, we don't know because he was opposed to this. The United Democratic Movement under Bantu Holomisa will take the ANC to court over the squirrely, no pun intended, the squirrely South African Airways deal. Tabo Mbeki, like a groundhog here, Puxatani Phil, has emerged from a four-year slumber to warn the African National Congress that expropriation without compensation is a bad idea. The British and Irish Lions are due to arrive in South Africa on the 27th of June. Or will they? 
We don't know because today the National Coronavirus Command Council and President Ramaphosa were set to meet and to discuss further imprisonment and theft of liberty from South Africans. Will the British and Irish Lions actually arrive on the 27th? We do not know. Provin Gordhan claims that he never said that the South African Airways deal was done deal and it was closed. Fair enough. Neither did I. I was the first to tell you that this is not a deal. It's, it's not closed. But he feels the need to defend himself. I don't because I reported accurately. Hal Tang authorities apparently wasted critical time sorting out the fire in the aftermath of the Charlotte Maxega uh, Hospital in Hal Tang. Instead of fixing the hospital, they wasted six weeks of critical time trying to select a contractor to do the work. Therefore, the hospital is not ready for the third wave. This is yet another example of inept, corrupt, useless African National Congress officials and bureaucrats who simply cannot perform their job for the needs of South Africans. Vote them out of office. Car Powership, the Turkish company that's in a heated argument about whether its contract was awarded legitimately or not. And of course, we know that Gwede Montash has been accused of corruption in this deal. But Car Powership, the Turkish company, has apparently failed the environmental impact assessment, which means that their contract will be null and void, I assume. Lucara has topped Deb Swana. Hey, let's one-up each other. Well, if you can produce a 1,098-carat diamond, this week we'll produce a 1,174-carat diamond. Lucara, the Canadian company prospecting in Caraway Diamond Mine in Botswana, has unearthed yet another massive diamond. And this is just a record string for this company. It keeps turning up one big diamond after another. The 1,174-carat diamond would make it, I believe, now the third largest diamond, just edging out the diamond that was found by Deb Swana just about 10 days ago. <laughs> Good news for Botswana. Zimbabwe goes a-begging to Turkey for weapons for its oppressive regime. Mass evictions taking place in Nigeria. Despite jabs, negative tests, Ugandans rocking up in Japan for the Olympics are still testing positive. Strive Masaiwa, the billionaire Zimbabwean telecoms titan, shames himself by jumping on the racist bandwagon of apartheid vaccine storyline. 17 soldiers have died in a helicopter crash in Kenya. 23 were aboard the aircraft, 17 died in the crash. Antivirus software pioneer John McAfee, whose name is ubiquitous with antivirus software, was found dead in a Spanish cell, age 75. The tech oligarchs are fighting tooth and nail to prevent their corrupt practices from being regulated by Congress. And a Florida law which bans or which requires students to be taught about the evils of communism has gone a bit too far. Those are the headlines, folks, today, the 24th of June, 2021. Let's get to in-depth news and analysis now. First story I talked to you about, Ace Mangashule's supporters. Take a look at that photograph, folks. Does that look like 100 people to you? Looks to me to be far in excess of 100. Hands off, Ace. Well, <laughs> we'll see what happens. His supporters came out in favor of Ace Mangashule turning out at an empty high court in Johannesburg, Central Business District, where there was nobody at. They rocked up in, in taxis. And they're there to show their support. Now, his effort to have things squashed did not work out. Let's take a look at a video that was available on the Daily Maverick. Clear violation of lockdown standards. Everybody in the world wants to see the United States. We want to see the policies of the African National Congress. 
and that was in Johannesburg today, protesting in support of Ace Magashule, the shamed former Free State Premier and Secretary General of the African National Congress. Now, one of his supporters, Kanele Gumbi, a Magashule supporter, said that he was showing support because I believe this is a fight perpetrated by those who do not want to see his political career prosper. I believe this has nothing to do with corruption. There's a concerted effort to get rid of the Secretary General and ensure he kisses his political career goodbye. Isn't it obvious that he'll be president of the country one day? No, it's not obvious. And uh, as far as kissing his political career away, perhaps his involvement in corruption in the asbestos case in the free state might have been something he shouldn't have gotten involved in. Perhaps his uh, underhanded behavior and his arrogance should be something he shouldn't have been involved in. Whatever the case is, never write out an ANC politician because reason doesn't play a role in the African National Congress. Patronage is what matters. Loyalty. Keeping your mouth shut. That's what matters. So Ace Magashule wants to survive the NC. His best bet is probably to shut his mouth and ride it out. But that's not his nature. He'll inflict his own wound. Southern African Development Community has decided that it is going to deploy forces to Mozambique. Finally, three months after the horrific events of the 24th of March and nearly four years after this insurgency began, the Southern African Development Community wakes up, the 16-member Southern African Development Community wakes up and says, hey, we're going to do something. Yeah, they failed to disclose what the nature of the force would be. No details were made available. They said the summit endorsed the recommendations of the report of the chairperson of the Organ of Politics, Defense, Security, Cooperation, and approved the mandate for the SADAC standby force mission to the Republic of Mozambique to be deployed in support of Mozambique to combat terrorism and acts of violent extremism. See, here's a small problem with that. The standby force is part of the African Union system, and the standby force is part of the standby brigade. The standby force is meant to do peacekeeping. This is not the standby force. No such force exists in SADC, despite their endless claims that such a force exists. We don't know what the structure will be because they haven't decided on one and who's going to give up the troops. Count on seeing South African troops for sure, possibly some support from Botswana, no guarantee of that, and possibly even Angola. Namibia, possibly. But beyond that, we'll see what happens. This is not a real force. It's not really there. It's just empty promises being made by politicians who have sat on their ass for three months while the horror has continued in that region. That's one story. Let's talk about another story here. And this is Bantu Holomisa's United Democratic Movement has decided that they're going to take the South African government to court over the squirrely deal involving South African Airways. UDM leader Bantu Holomisa talks to Business Day about challenging government's decision to sell 51% of the South African Airways. Now, some people might think that his objection is that it's being privatized. No, he's willing to go to court to challenge the 51% stake to the Takatsu Consortium. His political party believes that the sale lacks detail and the involvement of Harith is a part, as a part of Takatsu is a concern. And why would it be a concern? Because, of course, there are ANC cadres who are involved in Harith. So once again, Bantu Holomisa is standing up for what's right in South Africa, a man who gets very little attention, former guest on this program, a very interesting person. Speaking of people stepping up to do what's right, of course, this is a bit belated, four years tardy, but former president Thabo Mbeki has written a 15-page paper warning the ANC that expropriation of compensation is a bad idea. <laughs> well, welcome to the party, Thabo Mbeki. Better late than never, I suppose. Few issues have divided South Africa as much as land reform, and the schisms are plain even within the ANC. In a 15-page document handed to the ANC, Thabo Mbeki has set out why he thinks the constitutional amendment the party is drawing up over land expropriation is a disaster. The former president says the ANC must review some of its proposals before Parliament on how Section 25 should be amended. Plans to expropriate land without compensation will drive away investment and reinforce tribalism, he says. Really? Really? Well, gee, Tabo, thank you for joining the party. You could have done this four years ago and put this thing in the butt, nip this thing in the bud. 
but he didn't. The British and Irish Lions are set to rock up in South Africa this weekend after a match against Japan in Murrayfield, Scotland, kind of breaking tradition with the British and Irish Lions tour. They don't tour Scotland, they tour the Southern Hemisphere. But will they even be here? Will they even make it? The British and Irish Lions have been to South Africa during trying times before, most notably the 1974 and 1980, during some of the worst and darkest years of apartheid. South Africa was then a country in crisis held together by the fear and tyranny of the National Party government, according to the Daily Maverick. Law and order were maintained at all costs, usually at the ultimate cost for those who dared oppose it. In 2021, the Lions faced a fully democratic South Africa. <laughs> That's entertaining. For a third time in the period since the collapse of apartheid. But this is by far the most precarious of all those tours. I would disagree with that. So, Lions will land Johannesburg, the epicenter of the third wave, and almost immediately be locked away in a plush hotel. And none of us will be able to watch the games. None of us will be able to watch the games. What is interesting is that South Africa claimed to have had the best action and such a great response. And just a matter of months ago, virtually no cases. And they denied us access. Now, in this third wave, there's no way they're going to have access to the stadiums. What a disappointing development for an event that occurs once every dozen years. Many people won't be alive 12 years from now. They'll miss this opportunity to experience this again. Pravin Gordhan <laughs> has decided to defend his statements. Public Enterprise Minister Pravin Gordon has defended his process to select a strategic equity partner for South African Airways, saying he never implied the transaction was a done deal and making it clear that due diligence will still need to happen. Well, yeah, I've been telling you that since the outset. Also, it's not a sale. That's fiction. That's a pure lie. There's no sale here. They're giving away 51% of the equity to Takatso. Giving away on a promise that they'll invest 3.5 billion rand into the bankrupt airline. Don't count on it. As we approach the third wave, which some people in South Africa predicted, the Houten government sat on its collective bums and did nothing to take care of needs in hospitals. In fact, the fire that happened at Charla Mexique Hospital wasn't resolved. The repairs weren't done. For six weeks, it took them to get off their bum. The Haltang Provincial Department of Infrastructure Development took over five weeks to appoint contractors after the Charlotte Mexique Hospital fire, despite knowledge that Haltang would soon face the next wave. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of the most important hospitals in the province. The fire happens. First off, the fire is suspicious to begin with. And beyond the fire, speaking of fires, where's Polly at? We haven't seen Polly. Polly's our resident fireman. We can ask him about this fire. Car power ship has failed an environmental impact assessment. Well, is this deal headed south? Department of Forestry, Fisheries, and Environment has rejected the environmental impact assessment submitted by Turkish majority-owned Car Power Ship SA for all three of the ports where it intended to provide floating gas-fired power barges. The competent authority in the department has decided, after due consideration of all relevant information presented as part of the environmental impact assessment process for all three applications in question, to refuse the applications for the environmental authorizations. Now, what I find interesting about this is that Car Power Ship operates perfectly fine within the environmental impact assessments of other countries like Lebanon and other places where they deliver power. So one has to wonder if this is really a failure of an environmental impact assessment or simply more patronage run awry. I think that might be what's going on here. I would question the motives of the people who looked at the environmental impact study and what's really happening here in this car power ship thing. Well, if you can do this, I can do it better. Deb Swanett, about 10 days ago, turned out the third largest diamond in history, 1,098 cal calories, <laughs> carrots, 1,098 carrots. Congratulations to Deb Swanett, the consortium between De Beers and the governor of Botswana, the largest gemstone they'd ever recovered in their 50, nearly 60 years of operations. But Lucara, the upstart Canadian diamond explorer, has 
outdone them by coming up with another diamond at 1,174 carats, again, from the Carway mine, where they have a concession. Lucar Diamond Corporation is pleased to announce the recovery of 1,174.76 carat diamond from the 100% owned Carraway Diamond Mine in Botswana. The diamond is described as a cleavage gem of variable quality with significant domains of high-quality white gem material and was recovered from direct milling of ore sourced at their unit. It becomes the third 1,000 plus carat diamond recovered from the south lobe of Kimberlite since 2015, including the 1,758 carat Suelo and 1,109 carat Lecidi Rona. So this now pushes back the Debswano diamond to the fourth largest diamond ever found. <laughs> you gotta love it, folks. This is one upmanship. Now the question is how much of this is actually, actually making it to the benefit of the regular folks in Botswana? One has to wonder about that. That is interesting. But if you're curious what this diamond looks like, let's take a gander. And unlike the quartz being discovered, <laughs> while people still digging up quartz in that location in KwaZulu-Natal, this is an actual diamond. Look at that puppy, folks. Look at that. It almost looks like it's, it's, it's manganese if you look at it from a distance, not a diamond. But there you have it. Look at the cleavages on that. Obviously, this thing was fractured. It was even larger. Zimbabwe is looking to Turkey because it can't get spare parts for its military oppressive regime. So it's going from the U.S. or the U.K. So it's looking to Turkey to help it. And some of the things said by, by the folks in this situation are absolutely outlandish. Let's talk about that very quickly as Zimbabwe opens an embassy. Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlut uh, Kavusolugu poses with Zimbabwean counterpart Frederick Shava at the opening ceremony of Zimbabwe's embassy in Ankara on the 13th of June, 2021. Now, of course, they're not able to get it. So... Citing colonial rules, Zimbabwe's foreign affairs and internal trade minister, Frederick Shava, told Andalu Agency, that's the Turkish news agency, that the sanctions against his country were agitated by Britain, which was then a member of the European Union. And he said the reason why they had sanctions imposed on them is that Zimbabwe had taken its land back from the colonial owners and distributed it to its own people. However, one of the target sanctions was military aspects. Let me clarify this for you right now, Mr. Shava, you lying sack of horse manure. You didn't take anything back from colonialists. You stole land from Zimbabwean citizens. And what's worse is that 42% of the commercial farmland that you stole was land that was sold under a majority government with the express permission of Robert Gabriel Mugabe as prime minister or as president over a period of 20 years. You allow people to buy land and to develop that land only to call them colonialists and then steal the land. People born in Zimbabwe, some of them in their fourth or fifth generation Zimbabweans. Your racism and bigotry is a disgrace to the homo sapien race, as is most of the stuff that comes out of the mouth of officials in Zimbabwe. We looked to the east, and from looking to the east, we got some equipment from friendly countries, China. And it quit working after less than a year. They got 100 Humvee-like vehicles from China, and less than a year later, none of them were working. We need to continue to advance our sources for defense equipment, and this is why we're looking towards Turkey for defense facilitation. Yes, because we all know that Malawi, the warm heart of Africa, is just massing on the border to invade. Then, of course, you know the Fatim, which is incapable of defeating 100 terrorists in northern Mozambique, is forming on the border to invade from the east. And, of course, Zambia just itching to invade from the north. Not to mention Botswana, that dangerous country to the west, likely to invade Mashonal, or, uh, uh, Matabeleland. Seriously? You don't need any defense forces in Zimbabwe. Those people are a threat to citizens there, and they've proven it with a coup. They're, no, they're not defending the nation. Or they're running off on little adventures in the Congo, stealing rare minerals 
and gold. Normally in the past, there was too much bureaucracy associated with trying to establish a business. Now Zimbabwe has created an agency called the Zimbabwe Investment Development Agency, ZETA. One-stop shop, meaning if you come to Zimbabwe, ZETA will answer all your questions. Well, answer this for me, ZETA. If I establish a business in Zimbabwe, how long before the Zimbabwean government steals 51% of my equity? Giving it to indigenous Zimbabweans. Never mind the racist comments here from the former minister, Mr. Shava, who, who said that the people whom he stole land from weren't Zimbabweans. Disgraceful. And why weren't they Zimbabweans? Because their skin wasn't black. You're a racist. You're a racist. Simple as that, my friend. Mass demonstrations and evictions uh, continue to be involved in housing in Nigeria. This is a story that hasn't got much press. In February, task force sent by Lagos State Newtown's Development Authority started bulldozing all the structures in the coastal neighborhood of Okikan and evicting the occupants. Demolitions were the latest in a string of evictions that have ramped up over the past five years as the Lagos government clears slums, homes built on lagoons, and other informal settlements to house a rapidly growing population. Lagos is home to more than 20 million people, about 70% of them living in informal settlements. Anticipating that the state's growing population would lead to housing challenges, the Lagos government drafted the Housing Master Plan 1981 and established the NTDA to implement it. About 14 housing projects, more than 7,000 affordable housing units have been built so far, and more than 20 others are in various stages of development. The illegal structures at Okiegan were torn down to make way for the development of the new housing estate. The demolitions would not have taken place if there had not been encroachment on the plan sites acquired several years back for the housing project's development. And similar to South Africa, people demanding services in illegally squatter, illegally formed squatter camps. People can't simply sit and land wherever they want. If someone owns title to land, they wind up getting dispossessed and move later. And that's what's happening here. Of course, in South Africa, it's much more violent when it happens because the ANC brings its thugs and hires bullies and abusive organizations like the Red Ants to evict people, tearing down their structures, robbing their mobile phones, stealing money out of their pockets, and beating up people who resist their removal. Ugandan Olympic team has arrived in Japan. Now, before they went, all of them were given the jab, fully jabbed, inoculated, and tested after the requisite period. None of them had any infection. Two have now turned up positive in Japan. Sort of undermines the whole argument about this, doesn't it? So that's what's happening with the Ugandan Olympic team. Ugandan team has had two members, including one athlete, who've rocked up and have been positive on arrival in Tokyo for the Olympics. Here's an image of the Ugandan team arriving at Narita Airport on Sunday. I've been to Narita Airport. Is this the beginning of something more, or is that it? Yet another uber-wealthy, privileged, elite black African uses the excuse of apartheid vaccine to explain Africa's leadership failures and its lack of forethought and its absence of planning. Blaming others for your failures. This is what African leaders are good at. Of course, leaders around the world are good at that. Rich countries deliberately kept vaccines from Africa, says Zimbabwean billionaire. Horse manure. Nations with the resources pushed their way to the front of the queue. No, the nations with the resources were at the front of the queue developing the re-vaccines. Strive Masai with the telecommunications billionaire tasked with helping the African Union secure COVID vaccines said the shortage of doses on the continent was a consequence of deliberate action by the world's richest nations. Untrue. While the U.S. is fully vaccinated, nearly half its population, UK, the same in the European Union, less than 30%. Africa has just 1.1% of its population fully vaccinated. It's not a question if this was a moral failure. It was deliberate. Those with the resources pushed their way to the front of the queue and took control of their production assets. The people who bought the vaccines, the people who sold them the vaccines knew that there would be nothing for us. 
The hindering of vaccine exports by the U.S., Europe, and India and hoarding by developed nations has left the continent now with little access to doses. No, your inept, corrupt, venal, lack of vision, piss-poor leadership continent is what has left Africa unprepared. You put all your eggs in one little basket called COVAX that did not coordinate with any manufacturers at all, at all. For access, offer testing, gift sites, volunteers to be part of it, to test. You didn't do anything. You sat back because no infections were hitting the continent. Oh, it's remarkable. Africa's barely being touched by this. It must be Africa's youthful population. Isn't this amazing how Africa, Africa's doing it all right. Africa, Africa, Africa. Well, Africa didn't do anything right. It sat on its ass. And guess what happened? What did Aspen do? What did the other 19 pharmaceutical firms in South Africa who now want to be part of consortium when they get free access to the intellectual property that was developed at the cost of billions, tens of billions of dollars of research by Western, specifically American companies to develop this vaccine? Where were African pharmaceutical companies? Where were African scientists doing nothing? It is vile and disgusting to listen to uber-privileged, wealthy elites who got their wealth through exclusive access that others didn't have, not because they're business acumen, people like Mo Ibrahim, people like Shrive Masayiwa, people like Cyril Ramaphosa, claiming vaccine apartheid. I told you idiots last year. Get involved. Contact these pharmaceutical firms. Put yourself at the front of the queue. Get yourself a negotiated rate by offering people to be part of the test. This I said last year, and I said at the time, you should be volunteering to be part of this so that you get vaccines when they're delivered. But no, you sit on your duff, you do nothing, and you scream vaccine racism, or you simply don't know what you're talking about. And I'm sick of it. I actually thought you might be a good candidate to be president of the kleptocracy of Zimbabwe, bring it back from the brink. But you know what? I stand corrected. You're not a good candidate if this is the kind of propaganda you care to share with the world. In Kenya, 17 soldiers were killed in a helicopter crash. 23 were on the aircraft. Police official in Kenya says 17 soldiers died when the helicopter they were traveling in for a training exercise crashed on the outskirts of Nairobi. Six people with severe injuries were rescued from the scene in Ole Tempisi in uh, Kajirado County. The officer spoke in condition anonymity because it was not authorized. To, he was not authorized to speak to media. Kenya's military confirmed the crash but did not give details. Police said there were 23 soldiers inside the helicopter when it crashed Thursday. Our condolences to the Kenyan forces, the KDF, on losing their soldiers. Uh, never a pleasant thought. What a horrific way to go. Um, God bless and uh, fair winds and smooth sailing and best thoughts to their families. The International Monetary Fund has released an additional $407 million to Kenya. Program remains subject to notable risk, including uncertainty about the path of pandemic and potential pressures from the upcoming political calendar. The IMF in April approved a three-year loan of $2.34 billion, which will be released in tranches. And the first consisting of $307 million was immediately released. Now another $407 million from a separate program here is added to that total, taking Kenya's IMF funds closer to 4 or $3 billion in the end. More money from the IMF. Yet more money, more money, more money. Antivirus software pioneer John McAfee, a wanted fugitive in the United States who was arrested at the airport in Spain and detained, and they were going to extradite him to the United States. They say he committed suicide. Apparently, he made videos before he was captured saying he would never commit suicide. Of course, we don't know what's going through his mind, if it's true or not. It really isn't germane. But the 75-year-old pioneer in the software industry 
is now dead. Antivirus software entrepreneur John McAfee has been found dead in a Barcelona prison cell hours after Spanish court agreed to extradite him to the U.S. to face tax evasion charges. It's a controversial figure in the tech world. This company released the first commercial antivirus software, helped spark a multi-billion dollar industry in the computer world, and eventually sold to technology giant Intel for more than $7.6 billion. In October of 2020, he was arrested in Spain when he was about to board a plane for Turkey and accused of failing to file tax returns for four years despite earning millions in consulting work, speaking engagements, cryptocurrencies, and selling the rights to his life story. He was also accused of concealing assets, including a yacht, real estate, and other and putting in other people's names. He's repeatedly claimed over recent years that there was a plot to get him. However, the court said there was no revealing evidence that he was being persecuted, prosecuted for political or ideological reasons. John McAfee, dead at 75. Iconic figure. Google, Facebook, and other tech oligarchs are fighting tooth and nail to stop the U.S. Congress from regulating their capricious and unjust behavior. Tech companies to take the battle over the proposed new regulations and oversight to the House, floor, and Senate, where they have no business being. They have no business being in the halls of government. House committee approved far-reaching legislation to curb the market dominance of tech giants, including Alphabet's, Incorporated's, Google, and Facebook. But much of the effort faced intensive lobbying by effective firms that slowed the committee's work and foreshadowed a pitch battle in the Senate. Centerpiece of the six-bill package, a measure to bar big tech companies from favoring their own products in a range of circumstances on their platforms, was approved early Thursday by vote 24 to 20. Known as the American Choice Innovation Online Act, the legislation will prohibit big platforms from engaging in conduct that advantages their own products or services or disadvantages other business users or discriminates along similarly situated business users. Also, other bills called the Augmenting Compatibility and Competition by Enabling Service Switching or Access Act. That's another one that's out there. Congress is finally stepping up. But of course, they're not stepping up for our benefit. They're not, they're not trying to protect users and content creators. No, no, no. This is something entirely different. Florida has a new law that they're proposing, which says that the schools must teach about the evils of communism. Yeah, that's right. Florida. Now, you might assume at first glance that I would be in favor of such a law, but you'd be mistaken. Let me explain why. Governor DeSantis signed bills in a news conference at Three Oaks Middle School in Fort Myers. Two of the bills, HB5 and SB1108, focus on civics education. The third requires freedom of expression at state college universities. I'm fine with that one. HB5 requires Florida Department of Education to develop an integrated K-12 civic education curriculum that includes teaching students about citizens' shared rights under the Constitution and Bill of Rights. No problem with that one. I have no problem with that. But it also adds a requirement for public schools to include a comparative discussion of political ideologies such as communism and totalitarianism that conflict with the principles of freedom and democracy essential to the founding principles of the United States. Again, no problem with that. But this statement by Governor DeSantis is problematic. In short, high schools must provide instruction on the evils of communism and totalitarian ideology. We want all students to understand the difference, he said. Why would somebody flee across shark-infested waters? Why would people leave these countries and risk their lives to be able to come here? It's important that students understand that. Well, the problem I have with this is that it is not neutral and objective to tell students that communism was evil. Of course it's evil. It's a demonic faith, communism, as is socialism. But you shouldn't tell children that. You shouldn't tell students that. Simply lay out the case of what it is and what it does. And it speaks for itself. Tens of millions murdered by the Soviets. An entire half of Europe under oppression for 50 years. You don't have to call it. You don't have to editorialize and say it's evil. Let it speak for itself. That's a bridge too far. What DeSantis and what Florida are doing here, if in fact that's what they're being doing, what he says, maybe he overstepped with his statement. Maybe the law doesn't really indicate that. But if what they say is the case, they have overstepped and done exactly what the lunatics on the left do all the time and claim that people on the right do. You can't do that. You have to be above the fray and be neutral, Florida. You can't be editorializing this. 
You should teach them about these ideologies. I learned about these political ideologies in high school and determined for myself without any any editorializing by my high school instructors that socialism and communism were evils. Didn't need anyone to tell me that. In fact, I don't remember them talking about evils of fascism. They just told us about the war and what happened. We came to our own conclusions about how evil fascism was. That's wrong. That's not appropriate. That's not what the state of Florida should be doing. They're going too far. There's going to be a backlash to this. It's unfortunate. Um, they're on the right track, but they've gone a little too far, if what DeSantis says is true. That's my view. That's my analysis. You can take it or leave it. That's your pleasure, your prerogative. Folks, that's the news within or the headlines from today, the 24th of June, 2021, with in-depth analysis and commentary. Thank you so much for your support of, of uh, Chris White Africa and Indaba Africa News of the Day. We appreciate your support. One final note here once again for Cameron Heslop, a devoted viewer of the program. We offer you our deepest condolences and regrets on the loss of yet another family member in the span of just uh, about 10 days. Thoughts and prayers to Cameron Heslop and his family out there in South Africa as they deal with these trying times. God bless and uh, all the best.